0: Welcome to Hearts and Minds. This is Maura Cassidy. Today on our guest podcast series, Carolyn Kine, a paediatric nurse, is joining us. She's going to talk to us about her career, her, her her job, why she chose to be a nurse in the first place, and also specifically about her role in caring for children with life-limiting conditions. You're very, well, very, very welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you, Maura, for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. So listen, Carolyn, to start with, um, tell us a bit about yourself.
1: Oh, that's always a difficult question. So, my um, Well, as you can tell from the strange accent, I was born and raised in England with Irish parents um, and spent many years, almost uh, many years, I'll just leave it at that, in the United States as a nurse. So I was one of those uh, five-year-old children who always said to her mother and father, I'm going to be a nurse, and that was a real blessing because I knew I wanted to do from the beginning. And um, hence, that's my only career. Uh, I'm, wow. Yeah, I just love being a nurse. I know it probably sounds quite uh, strange to say that you love work, but I truly enjoy being a nurse and it's, it's been a, a real gift to have have that in my life.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's really nice. Mm. It's um, well, it's lovely to know yeah. there are nurses. I'm sure there are many nurses like you out there. Yes, um, definitely. And it's it's uh, it's lovely to hear you love your work because mm. that's obviously what we all aspire to. Mm. Um, I suppose, uh, Caroline. Okay, so you you grew up in the UK and yes. then you worked in various different places. Um, were you always working in the field of pediatrics, or it was is this a new area for you? Um, at the beginning, like many nurses, I. I did uh,
1: work with adults and a job opportunity came up to work with children and of course I was a little nervous going from the adult world to paediatrics but I have to say since then I've only worked with children and and that's what I, I aspire to do and, and hopefully finish my career taking care of children. I just really enjoyed the the age groups from the newborn to the, you know, even the 16, 17 year old, I, I just love the whole um, range of different ages. And yeah, so it's always been paediatrics. I just, yeah, yeah, for the last, for many years now, for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So Carolyn, what does a typical day in your life look like?
1: Well, pretty much like everybody else's, I would guess. I mean, there's nothing that special because I'm a nurse so I take care of children with life-limited conditions. Um, Often, you know, the day before, if I'm working, there's some preparation mentally or just thinking about who I'm going to care for the next day and some just general preparation in sense of um, overlooking files of children I'm going to visit that day and... um, and obviously checking in with um, other colleagues to see what's been going on, any changes with the child, whether physically or um, with the family. So nothing too special. You know, I get up, I eat breakfast like everybody else. I'm no special. I travel. But my my day can change in the middle of the day. I may be asked to go somewhere else at the last minute, which can also be a little, um, I mean, change is difficult. So I may think I'm going to one house and end up going somewhere else, but it's a pretty, you know, normal day, same as everybody else. Uh, there's nothing exactly special, <laughs> but it's preparation, like everybody else,
0: preparing for the day. And, you know, often as is when we ask, you know, ask ourselves, well, you know, are we making an impact? Mm. Um, your work is is obviously very people-centered and and also people who are dealing with very challenging situations you families children who are un- unwell um you know do you come home in the car think today I've made a real impact or you know how does that play out yeah. for you
1: I think with anybody's professional more we all whether it's a mother in the home with our ch- own children or a dad in the workplace for, we're all trying to make some sort of impact and it's not like I may make a huge I, I may not even realize I've made an impact. It could be something so very simple. It's usually the simplest things that I may not be be aware of. I, I, I you know, it's not like I have this, you know, this is huge um thing that dawned that day. It may be something as very simple as just I'm sitting down listening to the mum who needs to, you know, just get something off her chest for five minutes. And for me, that's probably no big deal. But maybe for the mother, it, it may make all the difference to her for that day. So I may not be in a, aware of an impact. The only thing I can remember is once the mum was really upset and I just gave her, I think, a cup of tea and put a blanket around her shoulders And I think two years later, when I caught up with her, she said, do you remember that day? And I was like, "Uh, no, not really. She goes, it made all the difference to me. And I thought, it's those little simple gestures that sometimes that we all as human beings overthink, like the smile of a stranger on the street. It's those little things. It's never anything big and dramatic and, you know, announced on national media. It's a very simple, you know, heart to heart, just simple stuff. So, uh, I, I mean, I do reflect on my day. At the end of the day, you know, driving home, go over things to see could I have done something better or should I have not done something. Absolutely. But the impact is very minimal at the end, mm-hmm. very small.
0: <laughs> I find that hard to
1: believe, to be honest. But, <laughs> well, um, you have to ask the parents, really. <laughs> and oh, yeah, the children, the of course.
0: Yeah, fair point. Um, many would say, Carolyn, that it's a it's a very tough job that you do. You know, um, you have a different take on your job, otherwise you wouldn't do it. Um, could you could you take us into the motivation of Carolyn Kine?
1: Well, I'll certainly give it my best shots. Yes. I used to say it's not a tough job. I used to downplay it. And then I realized that was a little uh, false humility, actually. I was like, why am I downplaying this? Because it's not just me doing this. The parents are doing this job day in, day out, too, obviously with pure love. I mean, it's the love of a mother and a father for their child, regardless of whether they are a child that's able to walk talk eat and run off to school or not able to walk and run off to school um so i do it with love uh, obviously i don't have the same love as a parent but um i'm here to serve i'm a little instrument you know um i'm here to serve and it's it's something that just that's the motivation i'm here to to do what i can to make their lives a little bit easier for the time that I'm there. Um, And that's my motivation, nothing more than that. And it's not easy every day, I am no saint. Some days it's more difficult than others, some days if I don't take my time or I don't take uh, the time to prepare before I go into the house, you know, I could say something that's not always kind maybe, or it could have been said a little differently. So I have to, you know, I have to always stop and reflect and think during my day, like, okay, like, you know, you know, gear up a little bit. Motivation is I'm here to serve. This is it. Do it with love, you know, and, and that's, that's it. There's nothing more than that. It's quite simple because uh, the motivation I often get to is from the smile of a child who doesn't smile that often maybe or the parents who are just also smiling at the end of my visit because they got a little bit of a break or a time for themselves. So that's it. More, nothing more than that. You know, I'm here to, here to do what I can to make life a little easier for them.
0: For someone listening into this podcast, um, Carolyn, who's received news that their child has a life limiting condition or a family member, um, what would you say to them?
1: It would depend on, there's a few things I could say. I mean, I think it would depend more really on when they receive the news. Uh, some, some mums and dads get the news when they are just found out maybe a few weeks into a, a pregnancy. Some could be a year or two later, where they're struggling to find an answer, and they know there's something wrong, obviously, with the child, but they don't have a definitive diagnosis, or they may never receive a definitive diagnosis. I obviously, with any pregnancy, congratulations—you, you know, you you have this child, and it's a gift, and there's an awful lot of emotions that go with becoming pregnant whether it's expected or unexpected, I would say just take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and just let the emotions try to settle because when you're given that news, it's probably like a tsunami coming towards you and you're underwater. You don't hear anything more than this is a life-limiting condition and hopefully, you hear those words and not other words uh, can be quite cruel. You hear those words and say, "What am I going to do?" And your mind is racing down a pathway, and you're you feel like you're on your own. You're not on your own. There are lots of people that are going to help you and that want to help you. Um, that's not the day when you get that. That news to start making too many plans. It's probably best just to go home and just let it all sink in. And then people will contact you, people will help you. There's an awful lot of services out there and supports. And as much as we think we know as healthcare professionals, there's an awful lot that we don't know. And each child is unique, each child is a gift and you're going to love this child because it's your child. And they're, all children are different. And every child has their own journey in life. And every child will bring you the joys and gifts that they're supposed to. And you can do this. You can. You. Know, you will be the mammy and the daddy that that child needs and let people help you and tell them how they can help you. And it's very simple stuff. Very very simple day to day stuff with family who want to help, and that's it. But just take a deep breath, let the emotions
0: settle, and and there are people there to help you. And Carolyn, I suppose you know you're in the privileged position of being somebody who has, you know, a lot. You're you going from one family to the next. Mm, you've yes. a lot of families in your care over the years, and you've seen how this has played out in reality and. You know, are there joys or unexpected growth or unexpected surprises that you see in families? You know, if you walk into a family, are there any situations, you, you, you know, you're so, I suppose, you know, almost unexpected surprises.
1: Yes, because some mammies and daddies think when the baby's born that, you know, a new baby is always a, a challenge if you're a new mama, how to feed the baby, how to change, little simple things. And on top of this, they have all this other, you know, other concerns and worries. Uh And a lot of the moms say, oh, I, I just can't do this. I won't be able to do this. There's no way I can do this. And, you know... I, I don't think I can, use, you know, I don't think I'd be able to feed him. And, you know, and then three years later, you see the mom who says, oh, you know, run into the house. And she's, I'm just taking a phone call from this new mammy. She doesn't know how to feed the baby, but I told her I can do it. You know, and you're thinking, yeah, three years ago, you said you couldn't do it. So, um, and I sort of smile at them and say, remember three years ago you said you couldn't do this either? And she's like, yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? And and the joy of them being able to do that with support and able to help another parent, you know, uh, and just seeing siblings rally around. I think that's that's always great too And you see siblings who just love to help and, you know, they grow and... I think just going into any house like that it, it brings a smile onto your face. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Hmm. Are there anyone's you that come to mind? You know, because sometimes uh, typically that would be a concern, like in a family or something. You know, where there is more siblings, you are thinking is all, all the attention going to focus on the new baby, and how obviously, and how will that impact on the others in the family? Have you any? I am sure you've loads of experience on that one too. Yes, kind of.
1: yeah. There is lots. Obviously, there is you know some of the siblings would. And it's no one's fault. With any big family, obviously, not everybody gets, you know, equal attention every day. And with a child in the house that has extra needs, you know, families, the child becomes the centre. But, but but from that child being so sick, the family grows in different ways. And siblings learn that in this life, not everything's focused on me. So they, they these siblings become... You know, better human beings. I've seen like houses with five or six kids, and you think you're going into mind the sick child, and you end up like, you know, rallying six kids, to, you know, to bake some like biscuits or something. And it's pure pandemonium. And there's, but they all, they all go to help. Like, you you know, you're busy and they're like, oh, no, it's okay. I, I know how to turn off the pump or I know how to do this. Or, you know, they become little mammies and daddies in a good way. They realize too that that's what they're here for you know it's not about me it it's also a great example the child child that is sick will actually you know help the whole family to grow and to love each other more they they they're a, a real blessing these children who maybe not able to speak or not able to do things for themselves give more than they actually ever receive they, they give much more. They're, they're great examples in resilience, they're great examples of patience and, and humility because they're dependent on other people. And we as human beings don't like to be dependent. So I think mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, we all grow. I mean, I've grown mm-hmm. as a human being, as a nurse, because of caring for these children, definitely. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. And mm-hmm. I think the families do grow too and become more mm-hmm. empathetic to others that's what siblings mm-hmm. learn and they you know you'll see the siblings um, especially as they get older you know the impact of the of the brother or sister who they become you know quite mm-hmm. uh, protective mm-hmm. and definitely more empathetic anyway definitely
0: But as you say, probably a lot more empathetic as adults. Um, In fact, I heard a family comment recently, actually, you know, they're all grown up now and um, with their own families. And the comment, a couple of the siblings together was the most, one of the most life changing things for them as children was when they, their parents, they had a Down syndrome little baby girl. Um, who who didn't live for very long, but they they apart from all the adaptation and the fact that she was different, you know, not great, but mm. obviously was a little bit slower doing certain things. But they commented was to see their parents how they how they coped. You know, the obvious suffering, the humanity. We haven't been here before, but the sense of the it, that it's okay to, to to not know how to deal with it and to learn and to. You know, and, they suffer, and to suffer with, you know, I suppose you might say, suffer with the great human maturity and they, this family had great faith. So um, they said as adults that gave them such consolation to be able to step into difficulty.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, more. I mean, the journey is new. Nobody knows what it's going to bring day to day. Absolutely nobody knows. And you, it is... It can be quite devastating, or you can choose to turn it around and say, Well, you know, this is this child has come into our lives now. Let's let's just embrace it. Let's do what we can that we're not perfect. That you know, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to get frustrated, but there is a reason for this, and we can learn from this and we can grow from this. And it will change their family. It changes their family forever. However, it makes them as it makes us all. You know, definitely, I would, like I said before, better human beings. We're much more empathetic when we see someone as that's what we would think was suffering, whatever is seen as suffering. But there's, there's a real reason for this. And they were chosen to have this child. There's no other perfect family for this child, only this family. So I think that's the encouragement they need that they can really do this. They have the ability to do it. And no one should knock them down and say they can't because they can. It's within all of them. They just have to dig deep and every day they will learn. And, you know, we are here to help them as much as we can.
0: Uh, Carolyn, just I suppose the other side of this again is um, the difference between hope, you know, because I'm sure you as a healthcare professional going into these families every day, um, you want to give people hope. Uh, And at the same time, the expectations—you know—how how how do you manage that, or Mm. even just yeah, how do how do you manage that? Um, I think that's yeah,
1: that that's a can be difficult one, Maura. Obviously, you know, when you are maybe the child is given this life-limiting condition diagnosis, you know, there's a lot of of the unknowns. There's more probably unknowns and questions that don't have answers or maybe will never have answers to those questions for whatever, because some diagnoses are, are not black and white. And same as all of us, we're all life limited. None of us know when we're going to be called, you know, into our next life. So we may think as healthcare professionals through our experience that a child may live X amount of months or X amount of years and Quite often, honestly, I, I love to be proved wrong. When the parent asks me, you know, I say, well, I don't know. And I know that's the the answer you don't want to hear. And based on that, I tell them, let's hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That's all you can do. Hope, I never take away any hope they have. But it's done with some gentleness in the sense not to give them false oaths. I don't want to go down the road to say, well, you know, they may live to 90. Uh, but I try to just not diminish all their hopes and dreams. Like their their dream may be that today we walk down the road and go to the beach. That's a hope that we can fulfill that hope for today. Can I promise them in six years we're going to walk down the road and... No, but I will tell them that the child, if you look at your child and listen to your child, you will see the subtle signs that may the child is not feeling as well or um, that there is some deterioration in the child's physical status. So they will see that gradually, or I will gently point it out to them, you know, just say, oh, remember he used to do this, he's not quite doing that. As he used to, and let it gently sink in. So it's truth with kindness, always truth with kindness, and not to rob them of hope, because we we all need hope. We all need hope, and that's is vitally important for them to get up every day and and continue to care for their
0: child. And as you say, um, and sometimes it's only the couple or the family who know what's best to do in a given situation. You know, as you say, maybe it's the the walk to the beach or whatever it is. Have you encountered that sort of healthy sort of risk-taking in parents living in the present moment, as it were, that other people may not understand? Yeah,
1: and I think that's probably the essence of palliative care. We should all live that sort of palliative care (laughs) ethos because we only have today. I and mean, when we all hope tomorrow you know, to to you know to head off on a plane that 's not going to happen to any of us at the present times, but we all hope for tomorrow and hope for next week and next year. Um, I had one particularly young lady who was um, I cared for for her three years of her life, and this child did not was not able to speak, but obviously come christmas time um, there was something about, you know, Christmas or maybe the excitement in the house and the the um, visits to see, you know, Santee and all of that that she just seemed to blossom and she just seemed to wake up and really smile more and giggle more. So we had applied for um, a grant that she could have a wish granted to her, on her. Obviously, her parents thought that the best thing for this little girl was to go to Lapland. Now... To go to Lapland for any child is, is one of those dreams to see Santa Claus. But uh, for <laughs> her, she was deteriorating. Her physical condition had changed. And so there was an awful lot of negative thoughts like, go to Lapland. There's no way she should be going. You know, she could actually become very ill and, and possibly even die there was So her mum was sort of determined, but a little nervous about it. And the more she spoke to more people, of course, if you ask three people, you get 150 opinions. And she said to me, what do you think? And I said, if you're willing to take the risk and you understand the consequences of what may happen, you're prepared that Hannah, uh, I should delete that name, uh, that's a pseudonym, uh, may die in Lapland's then that's okay, take the chance, you know, that's okay, go enjoy it, but just remember that could happen, and as much as you may think you're prepared for your child's death, you're never going to be prepared for that moment, never, it's impossible. So they went, she just woke up, enjoyed it, had three days of fun, and six months later, she actually died. So just thinking Mum was so happy uh, afterwards when I went to see her and we were talking, and that's the risk you take. And it's like all of us taking a risk, but that was a huge risk for them. But they're just so glad, you know, they weren't afraid in the sense of just, they got on the plane and went. I'm just so happy for them because that's those memories afterwards that sustain the family through those very, very dark days after their child is no longer with them. <laughs>
0: Carolyn, listening to you there, um, I, I'm wondering where do you get the support or the resources, you know, to to step into this this space all the time, you know, of trying to support people in objectively very challenging situations. Um, no one is the same. Where do where, where's your where's your where's your compass? Where, how do you how do you give yourself that strength? Yeah.
1: Oh, well, that's that's probably one of the simplest questions to answer. <laughs> For me, uh, and now these days too, you know, we talk about, um, you know, spirit, spirituality and religion. But for me, there's, there's only one thing that gets me out of bed in the morning and, and go into any child's house to care, for it, and that's just God. As simple as that, you know. And it's not seen as politically correct now or even to talk about God or sort of, you know, you're met when you say, you know, God, people meet with this sort of silence. But for me, I get up in the morning and say, okay, I'm your little instrument, point me in the right direction, try to let me not mess up today, um, call on the Holy Spirit to, to so my mouth is in, um, my brain is engaged before my mouth opens. <laughs> so quick prayer to that and prayer. You know, before I enter a house, I say a quick prayer like, okay, I'm, I'm here to serve you, here to serve this family. Please let me do my best, you know. Um, and that's what sustains me. And not all the families, obviously, I visit, uh, you know, have any maybe belief in any faith. They may not have faith. They may not believe in anything. Um, and And that is, that's, I don't try to change anybody, but that's what helps me and sustains me on the days that don't go so well, or that are the days where maybe the child is sicker, or is, you know, it's going towards ends of life when you have to dig really deep, really deep, um, and that—that's who helps me. That's who's doing the work, you know, because I couldn't do it otherwise. There's no way I could do it, quite honestly.
0: Yeah it's it's interesting you say that I was listening to uh, just a thing on the radio the other day and this lady I didn't know who she was but she said she literally was she was pregnant with a child who was going to have a life limiting condition and at that point, her marriage was in, in difficulty and she said, I, I had a beautiful life, perfect life till then, you know, as, as far as I saw it. And at that point, I had no resources, you know, and she just said, and I had no faith. I didn't believe in anything. And she said, I just found myself going into churches yes. and sitting at the back of a church. And she said, miraculously, one thing led to another, you know, a whole series of encounters with different people or whatever. But ultimately, she said, that's what actually gave her the resources. So almost like as if she said, I didn't know. That that was there, and I couldn't. You have to. You have to experience it to believe it. You know, mm. that's interesting to hear you say that. And um, Carolyn, just as we finish up, um, what takeaways? You know, would you like our listeners to have from our conversation?
1: I would think really more, it, depending on who's listening. But if there is a mum or a dad, or even grandparents, you know that you know there's a new baby coming, and obviously has not the not the child they thought they were going to have with all those dreams and visions you, it may not you may not have the same they may not be able to fulfill the same dreams and the same visions that you thought you had but you will have a a a child who will bring you maybe something else that you need maybe it's something else you need but just just try and let the emotions settle and don't be afraid don't be afraid. You can do this, and don't be afraid to ask for help. And when people do offer you help, just say thank you and take it for whatever it is. Where well, it could be something simple. Um, that's it, really. It's it's you don't know what's going to happen. None of us do. Uh, we could all our lives can all change very quickly. So just try to take you know the day ahead of you, one day at a time. And you will get there. You will get there. It is possible, um, and that's it. It's really quite simple. I think quite common sense. Maybe maybe it's I dumbed it down too much. I'm not sure, but that's what I I see. It just taking one day at a time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's super, Carolyn. That's super. And well, I suppose you you have you've seen it many times. So that's very yes, consoling for yeah. our listeners. I hope so, um, Carolyn. Thank you thank you very, very much, Carolyn, for this what has been a fascinating conversation. Um, and thank you to our listeners for, for listening in. As always, we'll have resources included um, at the end of the podcast if you want to check into any of them. Um, and uh, thank you to our listeners for listening in. And as always, please um, do send us your feedback or any suggestions or queries or of things that you'd like to hear discussed in our conversations. Thank you very much.